Hey, Cam. Yes, Alex. Uh, I I I forgot the name of of the animal I'm thinking of. Help me out here. It's 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 really big. It lives in Africa. Uh, uh, the hippo. Giraffe. Uh, on, you know, on second thought, don't don't worry about it. It's it's irrelevant. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast with your hosts, Riley's Race and the Big Chop Man. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Alex, joined as always, after all, by the wonder to my wall, Cam Matthews. How's it going tonight, Cam? Oh, he's him, baby. <laughs> uh... <laughs> What's shaking bacon? I finally threw you off of the what's shaking bacon. I'm so proud of myself. I still uh, got it in there. Not too much going on tonight. Uh, gonna go ahead. And Today is gonna be the day. <laughs> Guys, if it seems like we're in a good mood, there's a very good reason for that. It's because uh, due to scheduling conflicts, we are recording this episode on Friday night, the 21st, and are actually recording during the Braves Phillies game. So, yeah, he went, sit down. <laughs> exactly. We're going to try to stay focused enough to record an episode here, uh, but there may be some brief pauses. Uh, the Braves just put up seven runs in the bottom of the fifth inning, and it was really a thing of beauty, aided by uh, Alec Baum having three errors in the same <laughs> inning, uh, which was just Oops. just a blast to watch. So. Uh, by by the time this uh, this episode gets done recording, we'll be able to actually include that in our Braves breakdown. So uh, we'll yeah. we'll get to that a little bit later, though. Uh, Cam, what what have you been up to this week? Oh, nothing much. Uh, so uh, I mentioned it on Twitter earlier today. My toddler is turning two here in a few days. So Aww. this weekend we'll be celebrating and having having a bunch of fun with that. Uh, not sure we're going to be able to light the candles on her birthday cake properly this year, though. Is that? So uh, my wife places a uh, an online pickup order for Walmart for some uh, birthday supplies that we need, right? One of which is a number two candle for her birthday cake. Um, and as you know, that they will substitute certain items on your pickup orders. And we didn't realize it until we got home that they had substituted the number two candle with a number one candle. Um, <laughs> there's... Uh. There's a problem with that. Um, I won't remember it. So the thing about it is it's not like we ordered, I don't know, like Briar's ice cream and got pet brand ice cream instead. Right. <laughs> like still the same thing, just a different I product. I actually think I would be more mad about that. Do, do not give me pet brand ice cream. I am pretentious when it comes to my ice creams. This is like if we ordered, I don't know, like some butter and they gave us olives instead. Oh, boy. Uh, I think Darno just took a crotch shot. Oh, man. All right. And the goobers. Oh, boy. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, please, please proceed. 
So, yeah. Uh, so, I, I've got to make a run to the store in the morning, I suppose, and get a get a proper candle for her birthday cake. So, yeah. There's that. Also, pretty sure that, like, my jaw's going to fall off. Uh, oh, no. He took it off the knee. Oh, okay. That, that's going to hurt a little bit. Uh, pretty sure my jaw's going to fall off. Uh, kids, don't put off getting your wisdom teeth taken out when they tell you, hey, you need to get your wisdom teeth taken out. Oh, God. All right, so uh, I take it you had a dentist appointment this week? No, I didn't have one this week. I, it, it's been – I've got one coming up probably in the next couple of months or so. But for the past couple of years, every time I go in, they tell me, hey, you really ought to go get your wisdom teeth looked at by the specialist. Uh, here's a referral form. Go get them checked out. And then I'll go back to the dentist six months later, and they're like, hey, you didn't freaking listen to us. <laughs> oh, story of my life. And so now, like, I'm starting to feel a little bit of pain in my jaw, and it's starting to give me, like, a bit of a tension headache in the back of my head. Oh, so, God. So, yeah, fun fun times uh, here here at the uh, the Matthews house. So you're, you're going to – you're basically going to recreate the call we had from Giuseppe last week, huh? Eventually, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really hope it's on uh, it's on a day where we're recording, so I, I can have you loopy off of the uh, off of the nitrous. Well, at, at the very least, I'll call and leave a voicemail that day, and we can listen to it on the show. <laughs> that'll work. That'll work, right? Oh, of course. And and speaking of special episodes, uh, for those of you who might not have seen, uh, just today actually, uh, I'm speaking on Friday. We released our very first patron exclusive episode, uh, and it is uncut and uncensored, and it was a lot of fun to do. And uh, hopefully, hopefully our patrons enjoy it as much as uh, we enjoyed making it. And if you want to access that content, you can at Patreon.com/slash/ChattingAverage for as little as a five dollar a month commitment. You can have access to all of our extra content that we post through Patreon. Yeah, and, uh, and I guess it's safe to say, as of right now, we're planning on doing at least one additional episode a month. Um, that's the plan. Do, do a couple of different things in the regular normal show. We'll see, we'll, we'll see where it goes from there, but uh, we want to just be able to give something to justify you guys uh, spending your hard-earned money on a couple of goofy podcasters. Uh, but we do really appreciate your support. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, just to, to echo what Cam said, uh, for those of you that are already signed up as Patreon patrons and, and for those of you who might consider it in the future, we we really, really appreciate it. And uh, also for anyone who's who's bought one of our T-shirts, it's uh, it's it's a great honor that you wear something with our logo on yourself. And uh, yeah. we, we we really, really do love that. Well, the, the fact that you respect my design work enough that you decide to wear it on your person, that, that means a whole lot. Absolutely. Oh, boy. So that's enough about us for the week. What do you say we get into the, uh, the Braves breakdown for this past week? Let's do it. And now the Braves breakdown. All right, folks, it is time for your Braves breakdown of the week. We are going to start with last Sunday, the 16th. Braves are at the Marlins. Braves win four to nothing on the back of an incredible start from Robbie Erlin. He he pitched four innings strong, allowing only one hit, no earned runs, and five strikeouts. Ozuna gives us an RBI via a walk, and Marquez tacks on three more with a couple more big hits, and uh, and and Braves escape with a series win when it uh, it looked like it was going to be a really tough outing. Uh, after the start from Hernandez that uh, that 
that that he showed for the Marlins. Yeah, yeah, just another good win. And again, it can't. Uh, I don't. I don't think you can talk about this game without giving as much credit as possible to Robbie Erlin for just going out and really holding down the fort that day. Oh, it was incredible. Expectations were low and production was high, and 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 that's how you like it, really. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. And and it ended a, uh, I believe it was a nine or ten day road trip for the Braves. So so glad to see the guys come home after that. Uh, Monday we had we started our homestand against the Washington Nationals. Uh, Braves take the game seven to six, uh, and it was it was an absolutely wild game. Yeah. Uh, the the Braves were down six to three going into the ninth inning, and in the ninth inning get two run home runs from Duvall and a walk off two run homer from Dansby Swanson. Dansby's first career uh, walk off homer. First career walk off homer. That was it was incredible and and it was yeah. just an ugly 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 game from the Braves for eight innings and just an absolutely beautiful ninth. One thing that did happen that I think bears mentioning, Waskar Inoa came in and gave us three innings pitched, allowing only two hits, no earned runs, and four strikeouts. The guy's starting to look like a really good long reliever. Yeah, yeah, he really is. I, I'm i thinking that he's probably going to stay up, uh, you know. Well, we and, just saw- and if he can fill that long relief spot, then that frees up Tomlin to to stretch out yep. and get some more starts, which yep, which ex- I, I exactly. think would only be a good thing for us at this point. Exactly. Or, you know, vice versa, if, you know, if they feel like they can throw, you know, out there as kind of an opener, you know, for one game, they, they can do that, too. Sure, sure. So we had back to back wins there, which was nice after having a rough close to the previous week. And then came Tuesday. Wasn't a very good game for us, guys. Uh, Nationals win eight to five. We did get a home run from Freddie Freeman. We got solid outings from A.J. Minter and Darren O'Day. We didn't get such solid outings from our starter, Josh Tomlin, from Matzik, from Shane Green, or from Mark Melanson. It was just it was just a rough day at the ballpark for the Braves. But, you know, those are going to happen. And it wasn't so bad that, that we were sounding any alarms. So, no, uh, the... The, I think the biggest story from both of those games are the, the runners left on base. Um, what was it, like 25 or 26 over it the was, course? It, it, it's Those kind of games are incredibly frustrating, but yeah. you, you have to understand like that just happens in a couple of games here and there. Like it, it, well, well, As long I, as it's I, not a, a, a habit across an entire season, then, then you're still going to wind up okay. Well, I think I said it at one point Monday night, too. Um, it, I think we were trailing by one at that point, or it might have even been tied with the Nationals at one point, but I made the comment that there's no reason for this game to be as close as it is because both the Nationals and the Braves that night were just leaving the bases loaded or leaving, you know, two runners on, you know, on second and third with one out and not cashing in anybody. Like, just those missed opportunities. Either team that night could have blown that thing wide open and just didn't. Absolutely. So we split the first two games with the Nationals. So we went into Wednesday for the rubber match against Washington and uh, got really excited earlier in the early in the day because finally, finally, Christian Pache gets called up and he is on the big league roster. So we had it was it was happy Pache day on Wednesday. Either. And then I can't stand the rain. 
It rained. Of course it rained. It rained, and that third game of of the series got rescheduled for sometime in September. So we'll worry about that when when we get to it again. But got ended up getting Wednesday off. Had a scheduled day off Thursday, so back to back days off, which I, I think. <laughs> and, then, and then we had the weather scare tonight. And then we had the weather scare tonight for the Friday game. It was I I, I was at work today, and uh, the the place I was working at was inside of a tennis center, uh, and it it wasn't very busy. Because it was apocalyptic rain for yeah. for like three solid hours uh, late in the afternoon. So I, I didn't think there was a chance of getting any baseball in. But much to my delight, uh, I get out of work around 8 o'clock and 8.10, it's first pitch for the Braves game. And it was a, it was a truly beautiful thing because uh, Darnold and Ozuna go back to back off of Nola, knocking him out of the game in the third inning, which yeah, is our- something. Something I don't think any of us expected to have happen. Uh, so the Braves, the Braves were up three to one at that point, and then it starts getting really ugly for the Phillies, which is something else you love to see. Ozuna hits a second home run in a wild seven-run fifth inning. Yeah, that that was highlighted by three errors by Phillies third baseman Alec Baum. Three, it was. Oh man, the ball was, it was like he had a magnet and there was, there was a piece of metal in the ball. Like it was coming to him every single play and he just couldn't do anything with it. He, he got the yips at third base and it was delightful to watch. I think, I think Grant McCauley tweeted out the ball will find you. And it, oh yes, it did. Uh, funny thing about those, uh, Darnold and Ozuna home runs, they, they both splash down into Chattahoochee Falls in dead center in uh, in Truist Park. Uh, I, I believe Cam was was it Darnold had a had a track at 4:31 and Ozuna's was 4:30. But if yeah. you look at the pictures of the splashdown next to each other, they landed in the exact same spot. It was yep. it was wild. Yep. Dead center, right into uh, right into the pool. Good stuff. Gotta love it. So since the last time we talked, guys. The Braves have played four baseball games in which they went three and one. So it's it, it's been a good week. Got to yeah, be happy yeah. about that. Especially, uh, you know, uh, we, we had low expectations for the week, given the question marks with our, our starting rotation and given uh, given the fact that we have kind of a difficult schedule that uh, that we're that we're thankfully starting to wrap up. Yeah, thankfully, I, you know, I just gosh, get into September. Just keep it. Close to 500, get into September. And we're doing it. I mean, we the, the team is doing everything you could ask of them at this point, given the circumstances that they've dealt with. That's right. Well, that's going to do it for the past week for the Atlanta Braves. Let's take a look around the rest of Major League Baseball. And now the fellas take a look at scenes from around the league. It has been a rather eventful week in Major League Baseball, so uh, it, it's, it's kind of difficult to even figure out where to get started here. But we'll go over the standings as of... 11.45 p.m. on Friday evening. The Yankees and the Rays are tied for first place in the AL East now. Uh, Baltimore is falling back to earth a little bit. They're 12-14. and 14. Boston, oof. 
That's all I'm going to say for them. In the Central, yeah. Minnesota holds a slim half-game lead over the Cleveland Indians with uh, with the White Sox only a half a game behind the Indians. So there are three teams within a game of first place in the AL Central. That looks like it's going to shape up to be a really exciting finish for that division. In the AL, we- AL West, the Oakland Athletics still hold a two-and-a-half-game lead over the Houston Astros, but the Astros are one of the hottest teams in baseball, having won nine of their last 10 games. The Texas Rangers are now 10 and 14, seven games out of first place. So it looks like the Athletics and the Astros are the only teams that are still in contention in the AL West. Moving to the National League, in the Central, that's getting a little bit tighter. The Chicago Cubs still hold a four-game lead over second-place St. Louis Cardinals, who are now seven and eight, and slowly starting to catch back up to a reasonable number of games played. Yep. The Cincinnati Reds are four and a half games out of first place at 11 and 13 on the back of Trevor Bauer's league leading 0.68 ERA. Good Lord. What a, that what guy, a, what a renaissance. That guy has got it figured out, man. And, and it could yeah. have happened at a better time. You know, he is, he's really leading the charge uh, amongst major league players building their own brand and and to be able to to have done that as successfully this past offseason as he has and then couple it with looking like one of the best pitchers in the league it's it's really impressive out of him so then the uh in the in the nl central like i said the cincinnati reds are four and a half games back the milwaukee brewers are also four and a half games back so you have four of the five teams in the central within four and a half games of the lead so all it's going to take is the uh one little stumble from the cubs and all of a sudden everybody's in contention there well they had a big stumble tonight did they did they what uh, yeah they yeah, they lost to the White Sox, I think, 10 to 1. Oh, yeah, they got destroyed by the White Sox. And and it, it looks like uh, it looks like the White Sox are going to be Chicago's team for years to come. They are set up for a long run of success. Hot take. <laughs> no, not, not a hot take. I mean, this is a team that could have Fernando Tatis. But yeah, oh, better. man. Could you imagine if Tatis was still on <laughs> On the White Sox, my God. That uh, Machado, Machado might have gone to Chicago instead of San Diego. Yeah, it's possible. In the National League West, things are starting to settle in a little bit. The Colorado Rockies are coming back down to earth, guys. Uh, I I think it might be time to put that Kool-Aid back in, you know, the, the back of the refrigerator. You know, maybe save it just in case you feel like a little Kool-Aid later. But... I'm not drinking any right now. The The Rockies are 13 and 12, one game above 500 and five games back of the division leading L.A. Dodgers, who are 19 and eight right now. Uh, the San Diego Padres look like a very, very good team. Uh, they are 15 and 12 after sweeping the Texas Rangers, which we'll get into a little bit more. After we talk about the National League East, where our Atlanta Braves are leading at 15 and 11, a game and a half over the 10 and nine Miami Marlins. With, believe it or not, the New York Mets in third place, only three games behind the Braves. The Phillies are now a game behind the Mets after the Braves beat them tonight. And Washington is also four games behind first place, tied with the Phillies for last in the NL East. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I never thought I could feel so free. You're flat. Sorry. You're flat. Get it together. Have you seen my gut? Anything but flat. 
So anyway, to expand on what I was alluding to when I mentioned the San Diego Padres, uh, they arguably had the story of the week this week. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. comes up to the plate in the eighth inning in the first game of their series uh, against the Texas Rangers. Uh, The Padres are up 10 to four. Uh, The pitcher, you know, throws three balls outside. So it's a 3-0 count. Uh, Grooves a fastball to Tatis Jr., which, you know, he's leading the league in home runs. You never want to do that. Uh, Least of all when the bases are loaded. And he cranks it for his first career grand slam. It was a fantastic moment that was completely ruined by all the noise that popped up around it. I was watching the game live on Fox Sports 1 when that happened. And the commentators spent two or three minutes following that berating Fernando Tatis Jr. for swinging in that situation. Lots and lots of people came out with that same take. Keith Hernandez went on a went on a rant uh, during a Mets broadcast talking about how that was the wrong thing to do. Shocked. Uh, Shocked, I tell you. Um, worst of all. Uh, the manager of the San Diego Padres, uh, I, is it Jace Tingler? I know his last name's Tingler. Something like that. Anyway, uh, Tingler uh, goes on to say he didn't like him swinging in that situation and basically forced Tatis to apologize publicly following the game. Uh, I, I I cannot overstate how how upset this made me. Um. I I believe that as the batter, you have the right to swing whenever you see fit. And if you're good enough to take a ball pitched by a major league pitcher and put it in the seats, I do not care what the count is. I do not care what the score is. I do not care what inning it is. You do it. And he did it. And I, I, I felt like it should have been celebrated. But unfortunately, because of baseball's mysterious unwritten rules, it was not. Yeah, so uh, we're we're all we're all smart, right? Debatable. Well, okay. Baseball players are smart. At this point in our fandom, we we know ourselves that when it's a 3-0 count, the pitcher more than likely is going to do whatever he can to throw a strike. And for the longest of time, it has been this almost, it's been almost accepted that, oh, you don't swing on 3-0. and And I understand, you know, in certain situations, you don't take a chance on what could be a borderline pitch and call it a ball to, you know, earn your, bat, earn your base and something like that. However, there is still no rule against actually swinging on 3-0, and and to imply that this kid should have just sat back and let the pitch go by him. And, and secondly, it wasn't even a bad pitch necessarily. It was low and outside or low and away. It was down and away. <laughs> I don't know. I, I had a, I would say that a good 90% of the people I saw talking about this were on Fernando's side about, you know, you play to win. You, you know, you, you do everything you can to win these games. There's nothing wrong with doing what he did. And then there were those few outliers that, you know, tried to speak out against it. But when you've got guys like Johnny Bench or Reggie Jackson coming out and being like, nah, swing away, kid, keep being you, I I think it's okay. 
Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And it, and I, I heard several people say it, so I don't really know who to credit this quote to. But, you know, if if the unwritten rules of baseball were written down, people would see how ridiculous they were and demand that they be erased. Yep. That's why they're unwritten rules. Exactly. They're not valid enough to be actual rules. Exactly. Exactly. So we go to the other biggest story of the week, which was uh, Cincinnati Reds commentator Tom Brennanman. Oh, oh boy. I forgot uh, about this, actually, for a second. A, had, a, had a little bit of a hot mic incident. Uh, and did not realize that his broadcast had, had come back from commercial. And uh, I, I will I will let you, the listener, do your own Googling to figure out what he said if you didn't see it, uh, but used uh, a slur against homosexuals on live television uh, and proceeded to continue to, to call the game. Uh, he has since been suspended, uh, removed from broadcasts, and is undergoing sensitivity sensitivity training. I have to imagine uh, he will eventually lose his job once, you know, the the required corporate processes are followed. Um, but the 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 thing that came out of this was he he called a few innings of the game, and then obviously there was an executive in his ear uh, requiring him to apologize for this as he signed himself off of the air and someone else took over for him. Uh, I, I don't have the transcript in front of me, but in the middle of his apology, Nick Castellanos hits a home run. And I, I'll paraphrase the apology here uh, and, and to try to try to give you my best uh, rendition of what he did. He's, he says, well, uh, I, I was I was caught saying something on the air that that I'm very very sorry for. Castellanos hits a big fly ball to left field, puts the Reds on top four to nothing, and I really want to apologize to anyone I may have offended. This was not me. You can ask my friends. <laughs> it had to be one of the most bizarre things I've ever like. What, what are what are was, the chances? It was the weirdest thing. I I, I I don't even know what to say about it that hasn't already been said ad nauseum. But my my goodness, it was uh it was awkward and and wrong and and just bad in every possible way. Yep. Uh, and and I I would be I I. I I would be ashamed if I worked for any network that put this man on the air from here on out. You have to know when you have a hot mic. You have to assume you have a hot mic at all times. And, and Cam, you actually call live baseball. I, I, I imagine you know that better than most. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, even, I mean, there. so my setup is probably going to be a little bit different than his. So, like... For instance, during commercials, I typically cut the feed to my headset off just so if I happen to, you know, speak out to the scorekeeper or happen to speak to somebody, you know, that's up there in the booth while I'm calling a game just to make sure that doesn't bleed over. But uh, even still, this is this is a higher paid and higher trained professional than I am. 
And dude, if if you just if you can't be aware enough to act better, I I, I don't know. I, I just I, I I don't know. And and the fact is, you know, hopefully for himself, he can look he can use this as a learning point. You know, hopefully he can learn something from this. But absolutely, let, because let, the, the... But, but let it be said too though that. If either you or I or anybody else listening to this show were to say something like what he said publicly at our own job, we would likely be fired. Absolutely. And and the, the other thing that – the thing that was most alarming about it was let's say – let's say the mic wasn't hot, okay? Let's say he was actually still on commercial break and no one could hear anything he was saying except the people around him. He was still comfortable enough saying what he was saying to 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 say it around the people he was with. Yep. And and that's 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 the point to take away here I think. It, it's it's not that that he said it on the air, it's that that he said it and and not only was he going to be okay with saying it, the people around him were, were I would imagine, not going to say anything either. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's it's not a great situation all around. It's just and it's it it's dumb. It's just really really dumb is what it is. You from, know, from every conceivable angle. Yes. Yep. So to move on to some more run-of-the-mill baseball news. Uh, some some big news out of Washington to, today. Uh, Steven Strasburg, who was, uh, I believe, placed on the IL last week, it's now been announced that he has carpal tunnel syndrome and may require surgery. Uh, surgery that I, I can only imagine would put him out for the rest of the season. It, it, it's bound to, and you have to... This is probably what everybody was probably fearing it was going to be with the initial reports being that he was having some nerve issues in his hand. You know, you, you kind of fear carpal tunnel, carpal tunnel, which isn't isn't necessarily, you know, out of the ordinary for a pitcher. I mean, you think about the, the torque and the velocity that, you know, hits a pitcher's wrist. It, it makes a lot of sense. It, it makes sense. I just and maybe it's 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 selective memory here, but I don't remember hearing of a lot of pitchers being diagnosed with carpal tunnel. Like I had, I could be wrong. Hmm. It, it's it's distinctly possible, but regardless, that's what Strasburg's got, and it looks like we're not going to have to deal with him for a, for a very long time. So, uh, moving on to looks like looks like David Price had it a few okay. years few years ago but uh, so in this article that i'm saying about david price having it um uh orthopedic hand surgeon uh dr joel ferreira said that carpal tunnel syndrome is actually very uncommon in baseball pitchers so that's interesting that yeah. is interesting i would have i would have agreed with you and expected it to be something something a little bit more common uh yeah. but moving moving on from there to a, an injury that is sadly very common amongst pitchers in major league baseball Yanni Chirinos of the Tampa Bay Rays is out for the season, scheduled to have Tommy John surgery. So that's a, a huge blow to a very good team that's in postseason position right now. Yeah, that's a that's a big blow for the Rays. I mean, you know, the Rays, one of their strengths is their 
their floating rotation and their bullpen. But that that's a key piece um, that makes all of that work. And, uh, you know, the Rays aren't necessarily lost at this point because the Yankees have a plethora of um, of injuries on their own right now. The Rays have moved in the first place this week. And, you know, as we talked as we talked about, the, the Orioles are surely coming back down to earth. But still, that, that's not a piece that if you're the Rays, you want to see go. Not at all. And and that's an excellent segue into our next one. Glaber Torres of the of the New York Yankees has been placed on the injured list. So uh, after losing Stanton and after losing uh, Judge, you now lose Glaber Torres. You you lose three huge pieces out of your lineup. And and luckily for the Yankees, I, I think they could coast to a postseason bid at this point. Yeah. Uh, but man, they, they are starting to pile up the injuries, which was the, the, the big issue they had last season. Uh, James Paxton is going to the aisle as well. Goodness gracious. It's, yeah. uh, it's tough sledding for the Yankees right now. I mean, you wouldn't know it by looking at their record and the standings, but, yeah. but my goodness, they are, uh, they are dropping like flies, but you know, luckily for them, they've built up a hell of a farm system. Like we talked about last week, they were able to call up Clint Frazier when judge went down and, and he's been very good for them since then. Uh, one last point to mention is that the trade deadline is coming up. It's uh, obviously a different season in, in every possible aspect. And this year's trade deadline will be 10 days from the date of recording on August 31st. And our Atlanta Braves are rumored to be actively looking for a starting pitcher and, and I might add, willing to use prospect capital to get one. Hmm. So I don't know who they're going to be going out and targeting, but it, it raises some, some, some extremely tempting hypothetical possibilities. Uh, you know, I've heard the name Mike Clevenger tossed around a good bit. I, for one would love to see him in a, in a Braves uniform. I've, I've thought for a long time that we need uh, to, to, to have a well-rounded rotation. I think we need to have one guy in there that is a strikeout artist and Clevenger when he's at his best is that he's, he's going to go out and he's going to blow people away. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get something like that done uh, and we can add that kind of a piece to our rotation. Yeah. I mean, you know, the names you keep hearing float around are Clevenger, uh, Lance Lynn is another, another big name that you keep hearing get thrown around and, uh, Trevor Bauer, even I, I've seen thrown around, depending on what the Reds do over the next uh, two, well, less than two weeks now. Um, I'm terrified of what the price for Trevor Bauer would be because the the Reds are still in contention in their division, and Trevor Bauer, um, like like we mentioned, is leading the league in ERA right now. And I, I mean, I imagine to get Trevor Bauer off of the Cincinnati Reds, you would have to you you would really have to give up a lot. And and we have a lot to give up. I'm not saying the deal couldn't be made, but uh I I I I hesitate well, it, to 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 say who we would have to give up, but you know it's it's hard because during during this whole rebuild process, during the the last couple of division runs, um I know Cam and I have 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 had a chance to watch some of the some of the prospects coming up in the Braves system and and we've we've really grown attached to guys like 
Ian Anderson and Tucker Davidson and Kyle Muller and, and all of these guys that look like they're almost ready to come up and be that next big piece for us. And to get a name like that, you're probably going to have to give up a name like a Muller, a Davidson or an Anderson. Well, and the trouble, the trouble lies into, you know, not only what are you giving up, but you know, how much, how much control are you actually getting? Right. And that, that's why it has, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It it just it really depends on if the Braves are all in on this season. Um and and I, I'm not a hundred percent sold that this is the year they go all in on. Uh I think we're very, very close to being in that year where all bets are off and any trade could be made. Uh but I don't think twenty twenty is that year. I think twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two is more likely to be that year for the Braves. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree, and and like we've said before too, with the expanded playoffs, teams that aren't in it are few and far between, and those that aren't in it, what do they have that we would want necessarily? Right, and and you know, luckily things are starting to settle in. We're starting to get more teams that are looking like they're going to be out of the postseason picture uh, than we had last week when we were talking about this. Uh, and and with 10 days to go before the trade deadline, that's going to that's going to settle in a bit uh, even even more. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting 10 days. We're going to we're going to hear lots of rumors. We're possibly going to make some moves and we might see some new guys in Braves uniforms. You never know. All right. Well, that does it for the last week in baseball. What do you say we look at some years past? Let's do it. All right, we're going to get into this week in baseball history. As always, you can find these facts at nationalpastime.com. And the week we're going to be looking at is August 24th through the 30th. Our first fact comes to us from August 24th, 2007. After waiting four hours and one minute to start the contest because of rain, the Yankees and Tigers begin an 11-inning marathon, which takes four hours and 24 minutes to complete. The last pitch, which results in a three-run walk-off round-tripper by Detroit shortstop Carlos Guillen, is thrown at 3.30 a.m. local time and sends the several thousand fans remaining at Comerica Park home listening to Lionel Richie's all night long as they exit the ballpark. <laughs> all night long, oh night, oh night, all night long, oh night. Yeah, I know how to get you singing on that one. <laughs> Did we just harmonize there? I can't wait to listen to this back and hear how off we were. Oh, for sure. A- Amber's going to be pissed at us. <laughs> All right. Our next fact comes to us from August 26th, 1999. Achieving the mark in just his 29th start of the season, Diamondback Southpaw Randy Johnson reaches the 300 strikeout milestone in record time surpassing Pedro Martinez, who reached the milestone in 31 starts in 1997. The big unit reaches the plateau when he whiffs Kevin Millar to end the fifth inning in the team's 12-2 victory over the Marlins en route to finishing the season with 364 strikeouts. Good God. 300 strikeouts in just 29 starts. That That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I mean, we're, we're, I mean we're, we're talking about, like, Prime Randy. I know, like, everybody wants to talk about 1995 when uh, the Mariners went to the ALCS that year and Randy was really, really good. But, dude, from, like, 98 to 2002, that guy was just unstoppable. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it it could be argued that that he was at the very least a better strikeout pitcher in the back half of his career. Yeah, yeah, because he always he always had the speed and he always had the movement. It was the control that was always an issue early on. But golly, when he figured out the control for the most part there in the second half of his career, uh, unstoppable. Like, arguably one of the most dominant pitchers we've ever seen. I, I don't I don't think that's even arguable, to be honest with you. I, I think yeah. uh, the the only thing that could possibly be arguable is if you want to call him the greatest pitcher of all time. But I think he rightfully deserves to be at the very least in that conversation. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's uh, he's got to be top five, right? Yeah. Yeah. Top, I mean, top, I, ten, top ten easily, if not in top five. Yeah, when, and and when you get to the top five, it, it get it's it's subjective at that point. Like I'm, think, I, I've always been a Bob Gibson guy because I think he had the greatest single season of all time and and a body of work to to support that. Um, but I'm not going to begrudge anybody who picks Randy Johnson as the greatest pitcher of all time. Do you think that he is still underrated to some folks just because he's such a caricature? You know what I mean. Like, I think, for, you know, he, 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 he was in the funny commercials where it's like, oh, no, this guy throws really hard. Or like, oh, you know, he's, you know, he's seven foot five on the mound. And, you know, like, he's almost this larger than life pitcher that you forget was actually just a truly dominant and good pitcher. Yeah, well, I, I don't think anyone who had the opportunity to actually watch him pitch on live television uh, underrates him at all. Right. Uh, but I, I mean, nowadays, uh, he's been out of the league, what, almost 15, 20 years. Right. Uh, it's, it's getting to the point where there are a lot of baseball fans out there that didn't get to watch him pitch. So they, they know him as the guy who hit the bird. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, and, and, and I say that in all seriousness, like that's what they know him for. Right. And, and while that was an all time kind of funny baseball moment, uh, it, 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 I'm sure for some overshadows how brilliant of a, of a career he actually had. Speaking of dominant pitchers, Luke Jackson just struck out his first batter. Yes. <clears throat> Moving on. You can find your Luke Jackson elite reliever shirt at teespring.com slash store slash chatting average podcast. Woo stonks. Our next fact comes to us from August 28th, 1971. In his first at-bat in the Little League World Series finale, Lloyd McClendon blasts a three-run homer, prompting the Chinese Taipei manager to order his pitchers to intentionally walk the 12-year-old for the rest of the game. The Gary Indiana Little Leaguer, the future manager of the Pirates and Mariners, hits five home runs and five at-bats, all on the first pitch, and is walked in his other five plate appearances in the three games he plays in the tournament. Oh my god. Five swings, five home runs. That's crazy. I mean, Lloyd, yeah. It's Lloyd not... McClendon. <laughs> Lloyd McClendon. Wow. Yep. Yeah. I, I I never knew that story about him. That's kind of cool. I didn't either. Yeah, it, it was it was a name that I had not heard in a long time. And then as I'm reading this, I'm like Lloyd McClendon. And then it gets to the part about him being a former manager. I'm like, oh yeah, that Lloyd McClendon. That's right. right. <laughs> yeah. That's how we remember him. Yeah, kid was a stud. 
All right. And our... My name's Lloyd McClendon, and I hit dingers. I hit dingers, by God. (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. Our final fact comes to us from August 30th, 1916. In the fastest professional baseball nine-inning game ever played, the visiting Winston-Salem Twins, Bobby, beat the tourists two to one (laughs) in an astounding 31 minutes. No, 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 no. The 200 fans in attendance. Let me finish. The 200 fans in attendance at Oates Field, at Oates Park, rather, unaware of the team's agreement to speed up the Class D North Carolina State League contest because both both teams had trains to catch, are so upset with the quickness of the game that Asheville owner L.L. Jenkins assures the angry patrons he will fully refund their price of admission. Wow. 31 minutes. Got to catch that train. That is that is uh, Rob Manfred's wet dream. Got to catch that train, Bobby. <laughs> Bobby! 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 <laughs> Any excuse to scream Bobby's name. Yep. Oh, I, sounds, the moment I saw Win- the the moment I saw Winston-Salem Twins, I was like, yep, yep, we're shouting Bobby this week. <laughs> we got we got to squeeze it in somewhere. That's right. Well, that has been this week in baseball history. Do with that useless knowledge what you will. All right, guys, we'll be right back with a look at the week ahead for our Atlanta Braves. But first, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Hey, do you or someone you love have a beard that could use a little TLC? Well, we've got some good news for you. We here at the Chatting Average Podcast have hooked up with an ambassador for a brand for just about any man, the Beard Struggle. These guys are celebrating all that is man by providing some of the best products around to get your beard ready for the big leagues. They've got everything from beard oils to balms to combs and tons of other great stuff that is perfect for getting your facial hair looking great. Check them out today at thebeardstruggle.com and use promo code AVERAGE15, that's AVERAGE15, to take 15% off of your first order, compliments of the Chatting Average podcast. If you or someone you know has a small business, you need to check out the creators of ChattingAveragePodcast.com, Goat Web Design. These guys have everything you need to get your small business up and running with an awesome online presence. They'll create your mobile and desktop-friendly website quickly and affordably with responsive service, and most importantly, it'll look amazing. Check them out on Twitter, at Goat Web Designs, on Instagram, at Goat Web Design, or on the internet at GoatWebDesigns.com, and tell them the guys from Chatting Average sent you. And now the boys preview the week ahead. All right. It's shaping up to be uh, a big week for the Braves as we wrap up that that much discussed difficult first half of the season. So starting tomorrow, which because we're recording on Friday, will be the Saturday game against the Phillies. We are in the park. Sorry. (laughs) Yes, it will be Saturday in the park against the Philadelphia Phillies. We will be seeing the second coming of Robbie Erlin starting for the Atlanta Braves against Zach Wheeler for the Philadelphia Phillies. And if uh, if Robbie can can build on that first start that he had against the Marlins, then uh, we 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 may well be in pretty good shape. <laughs> Get doubled off, you jackass. <laughs> uh, <laughs> again. We are recording while watching a live Braves game, which is Oops. far more difficult than I think either of us predicted. Uh, and it's going to be extra weird because we're recording our segments out of order. So good luck figuring out when we recorded what, guys. 
So yeah. moving on from the Saturday game against Philly, we have the Sunday night game on ESPN against Philly. Josh Tomlin will be getting the start against Zach Eflin for the Philadelphia Phillies. Is it Zach Eflin? I don't know. I don't have to learn that guy's name, right? Keebler Elflin. Keebler Elflin. <laughs> uh, then we have Monday off because I guess we haven't taken enough days off between schedules <laughs> and rain days. But Tuesday, the New York Yankees come to Atlanta. Right now, Tuki Toussaint is penciled in to pitch the first game of that set against Masahiro Tanaka. But there is some rumors coming out that that might be, you know, he might just be penciled in for that. There might be a chance that that's actually a TBD spot. Uh, there was an interview with Alex Anthopoulos. I believe it was from Kelly Kroll this week saying that, uh, you know, he specifically likes to call people up who are who are hot at the moment. And he said in, in Anthopolis words that we're calling up the hottest of them all, Louisiana hot sauce. Oh, <laughs> uh, if, 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 if Thoppy had said that uh, I would have died, but, but no, what, what he said was that the best game that Ian Anderson had ever pitched was that uh, inter-squad scrimmage at Truist park last Sunday. So, and, and that Ian Anderson is the next man up. So it is distinctly possible that Ian Anderson could make his major league debut against the New York Yankees on Tuesday. We really, I really hope that to be the case. I don't know if it will be, but you know, fingers crossed. And if we don't see him there, then surely we will be seeing him this season because, you know, if he's the next man up as a starting pitcher, we are going to need a starting pitcher to fill in at some point, but yes, we are. And don't call me Shirley. But for the time being, it is Tuki Tucson against Masahiro Tanaka for that first game against the Yankees. The second game against the Yankees is also on ESPN. Uh, and Kyle Wright, uh, coming off a bit of a bumpy start, will be facing Garrett Cole. So I'd really like to win the first game of that series. Yeah, um, <laughs> both, both would be even better. But, you know, the, uh, the game just went final for tonight, so the Braves... Uh, have defeated the Phillies in convincing fashion <laughs> after running off Aaron Nola in the third inning. Uh, I, I mean, you know, we had a we had a daunting lineup of pitching to get through this week, and uh, and being able to run Nola off early is is a big help. So uh, back to the week ahead, we've got the the Yankees with Kyle Wright against Garrett Cole on ESPN. Uh, and then we go to Philadelphia, where we've got Max Fried back on the mound against Zach Wheeler. Uh, after that, on Saturday, we've got Robbie Erlin again. Robbie Erlin apparently earned himself two more starts from that one on Sunday. Uh, and he will be seeing Zach Eflin, followed by Josh Tomlin against Jake Arrieta again on ESPN uh, as the Sunday night game. Cool. So uh, this is... So uh, this is the culmination of the first half of the season that that we were all so worried about. And it, at, at the moment, unless unless it's an absolute disaster for the next week, we are going to get through that above 500. And that was the goal, guys, because after Philly, we've got series against Boston, Washington, who is not looking good right now. Miami, who is not looking good right now. Washington again. Baltimore, who... I hope comes back down to earth by then the Mets who are not looking good right now, Miami again and Boston again to end the season. 
So it's 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 a good time to be a Braves fan. Things are going to start. Boston coming off of that hot nine game losing streak. And hopefully by the time we get to the next episode, we're talking about having Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna back. Uh, I believe Nick Markakis is he has tested sorry, tested negative every single day since going on the IL with uh, possible COVID exposure. So we could be getting Nick Markakis back at any point. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, things are looking up for the Braves. We are heading in the right direction. We have full command of the NL East right now. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm happy about where we're at. Yeah. I mean, just stay at 500 for the next week and a half and it could be okay. Even if we go like three and seven in our next 10 games, we are still above 500 and we've got an easy road to the playoffs from there. We've just we've just got to get our guys back, stay consistent, and uh, and start hitting some baseballs. Yeah, I, well, and I, I think three and seven feels very doable. I mean, it, and and I know that like the past couple of weeks haven't exactly been the easiest, but think about how many guys we've had out and we're finally starting to see those guys come back into the lineup now, and you know we're starting to get back to you know, as powerful as we're going to get, essentially. I'm not going to say 100%, but, you know, as powerful as we're going to get. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, so that is uh, that is going to do it for our baseball talk for the week. Unfortunately, this week we didn't get any voicemails, so we are going to be skipping that portion of the show. Uh, as always, if you want to call into the Chatting Average Podcast hotline and ask us any questions, give us any comments, Yell at us for something that upset you during this episode. The number is 678-242-9408. So without further ado, we're going to wrap up the show by awarding our Chatting Average Braves Player of the Week award to Mr. Robbie Erlin. Yeah! Erlin Erlin! Erlin. You know, we we came on our last episode and we were kind of skeptical about how he would do with a starting spot. You know, we picked him up on waivers from from the Pirates. And, you know, if if the Pirates DFA you and we have to uh, we have to pick you up on waivers from them, that's that's not really a good sign. But but man, he came out ready to go. He looked incredible. We got four solid innings out of him, allowing only one hit. No earned runs and five strikeouts. I don't know if we're going to get that out of him again when he pitches tomorrow, but but man, hats off to Robbie Erlin for for coming in and, and leading the Braves to a to a huge win on Sunday. Well, I mean, he came in and threw strikes, and at that point, that's just what we need our starters to do. Absolutely, absolutely, and and man, if he can match that again. Hey, maybe maybe he can be our ace in the hole in our rotation. Maybe he can lock down a four or five spot. Well, yeah, uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Hopefully that comes to pass. But that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Chatting Average Podcast. For Cam, I'm Alex. We'll see y'all next week for another brand new episode. Bye! With that, we've reached the end of the show. If you want to connect with the show, you can contact us via text or voicemail at 678-242-9408 or on Twitter at Average Chatting. 
If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash chatting average. We'll see you all next week on another brand new episode of the Chatting Average Podcast.